It is uh, 9 o'clock right here at 89.3 The Key. The Lake of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right. You've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks. 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, September 17th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Two people are facing felony charges after authorities say they found drugs at a residence in Brumley. Brian Bird and Rebecca Webster were both arrested after the Miller County Sheriff's Office received a drug complaint. Deputies found methamphetamine and other narcotics at the residence. Both subjects remain in custody at the Miller County Jail in lieu of their bonds. Camp Wonderland is bringing groovy vibes to the Lake of the Ozarks with their peace, love, and party with a purpose. Charity event that's coming up on Saturday, November 6th. The evening will include dinner and dancing starting at 6 in the evening at Margaritaville and a live and silent auction to follow. 100% of proceeds from the evening go toward Wonderland Camp as to help campers who need financial assistance. Bike Fest is underway at the lake, and it's bringing major changes to the Bagnell Strip. If you're driving a car, you won't be driving it on the Strip. Only delivery trucks and employee vehicles will be allowed. Motorcycles will be allowed, though, and they'll be able to park in the center lane, too. So keep an eye out for motorcyclists when you're on the road this weekend, and welcome them to Lake of the Ozarks. Get more of the Lake Ozarks news at lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play, lakeexpo.com, the Lake trusted news source. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what what were the events? What are the things behind the scenes here? What, what led to this? Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present-day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why. It, well, it's because the news told us. Join Professor Jim Paisley Thursdays and Saturdays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. for the True History Professor program on 89.3 The Key. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. The artichoke heart is about peeling back the layers and getting to the heart of what really matters in life, parenting, faith, and wellness. 
You will find purposeful parenting topics, inspirational family stories, homeschool tips, book and game reviews, recipe and wellness posts, and so much more. Our three hosts are Ruth Harris, Maggie Butterfield, and Gretchen Peters. They can't wait to connect with you and share their hearts. Listen to The Artichoke Heart Wednesdays and Sundays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. on Key Radio 89.3 FM. your thoughts, ideas, and skills, maybe even a talent, on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3 The Key. All right, we're back at 9.06. It is The Daily Show on 89.3 The Key. Currently 68 degrees, plenty of sunshine this morning. 87 is apparently where we're going to top out, so a bit of an adjustment to the forecast, a low tonight of 63 with a clear sky. 87, the high tomorrow with a low of 64 tomorrow night, a mix of clouds and sun. Sunday's high of 84, a low 66, then uh, back up to 88 on Monday. Again, as I mentioned, uh, probably the best chance for rain next week will be on Tuesday, if it happens at all. 40% chance at this point, high of 73 on Tuesday, a low of 51. 72 the high on Wednesday with a low of 49. 76 the high on Thursday with a low of 53. I'll tell you the one thing about this weather that I enjoy so much is it kind of gets us into the the uh, ham and beans mode. I love ham and beans. Uh, maybe soup, if you like soup, mm-hmm. stew, things you can make in a nice big pot and store some of it, uh, gumbo. Yeah, we, we put a fire pit out about two months ago. Nice. And we haven't used the fire pit because it doesn't feel like fire pit <laughs> weather when it's 90 <laughs> degrees out. <laughs> so... That's very true, and, you know, that's the thing about it, because uh, I haven't said anything to my wife yet. I said, but I wanted to go pick out a, a fire pit and have something where we could go outside on a cool evening and sit around and yeah, maybe roast some marshmallows or whatever, just sit there and enjoy the fire. 9.07 is our time. Let's uh, take a moment here to check in with uh, Chris Schneider. We'll get an update on what's been happening or what will be happening in the world of sports, and then we'll take some time to get caught up with uh, Dave Boffin, who uh, has that wonderful blog, Among the Dogwoods, keeping an eye on our uh, Camden County Commission meetings, who's showing up, 
what people are saying and uh, what's going on. Let's go ahead and uh, hear from Chris Schneider with a uh, check of sports on 89.3 The Key. KB, good Friday morning to you, TGIF. Don't you love Fridays? And, of course, it's a football Friday, the fall, almost here. But, of course, we got a whole lot of football on the way, including a showdown of undefeated teams at Camdenton tonight. Lakers at 3-0 at home against 3-0 West Plains. That is always a good battle, and look forward to be another great one tonight. 2-1 Osage at home tonight against 2-1 California. That ought to be a pretty great game, too. And that's a game you can see on Lake TV tonight. Pre-game show at 6.30, and then the kickoff will be at 7. Again, that's on Lake TV, Osage in California tonight. By the way, during the season, you can hear from the uh, coaches of the Camdenton Lakers, Jeff Shore and the Osage Indians, Shannon Jolly, every week during the season, uh, Tuesdays through Fridays. Hear what they say about last week's game and preview this week's game. You can see that every day, Tuesdays through Friday during the season on Lake TV at uh, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon. And six o'clock at night. Eldon is two and one. They're at three and zero. Hallsville tonight. Versailles one and two. They will take their record to zero and three. Southern Boone tonight. Now tomorrow we got college football. Of course, Mizzou one and one, looking to bounce back from that loss to Kentucky last week. They'll be at home to zero and two. Southeast Missouri State tomorrow morning. MSU Bears. They're one and one. They're off this week. The Chiefs will play Sunday night. They're on the road against the Ravens. After that. Comeback win over the Browns last week. And, of course, we're getting ready to close out the MLB regular season. Cardinals home to the Padres tonight. They open a three-game weekend series. The Royals home against the Mariners tonight. That is also the first of a three-game series. KB, back to you, brother. All right. Thank you, Chris Schneider. Have a great weekend. We'll hear from Chris one more time as we cruise through this second hour of the Daily Show. Heard exclusively on 89.3 The Key, also live at keyradio.live. And Bill Mundhausen is working at a fever pitch to get those apps all taken care of. And uh, we've kind of heard a little bit about the progress over the course of the last week or so, Bill. And yeah. where are you at with it right now? You said you th- thought you pretty much had it uh, licked. Well, the good news is I answered the last uh, Google problem and resubmitted the app mm-hmm. and it says that it's active and live but when you go to the play store it's not there but then i had a third party reviewer report on the app uh-huh. which implies that it exists so i'm kind of in limbo at the moment it seems to have been approved it seems to be active uh-huh. in production i just can't download it from anywhere so I see so I, we're waiting on that. I, I sent them an email and said, well, maybe it takes a little while. Is that true? You know, Apple, on the other hand, is a whole other animal. They, they insist on us using Apple Pay, and we use a, a donation platform that doesn't use Apple Pay, so we've got a tug of war going on there. So we're working on it. Well, folks, we'll get it all figured out eventually, and uh, you just stick with us, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that uh, you are all taken care of. So... Don't worry about a thing at all. want to remind folks coming up uh, a little bit uh, later on today following this program, we'll hear Freedom's Call 
at 10 a.m., Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau at 11, Schoolhouse Rocked at noon, uh, The Countercultural Mom, uh, that uh, program comes your way at 1 o'clock. At 2 o'clock, it's Feed Your Family tonight. And we'll wrap up that eight-hour block at 3 o'clock with Cold Case Christianity. And then we'll start it all over again at 4 with a rebroadcast of The Daily Show. 9.12 is our time. He has the blog. It is entitled Among the Dogwoods. Dave Moppin back into uh, talk with us this morning. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. Good to be here. Good to have you back with us. So um, last week after you left... It turns out that uh, the commission went into a, an emergency session or had an emergency meeting, and it had to do with uh, the vaccine mandate that was uh, laid down by the president. I don't know if you had any time to be a part of that or find out a little bit more about it or just uh, even if you were able to do much because it, I guess it was emergency session, so they kind of came together in a hurry. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to attend that meeting. Um I'm pretty confident that they're not going to have a mandate yeah. in the county. So yeah. I think that's kind of the way the wind's blowing on all that. But yeah. mm -hmm. I don't think we have too much to worry about. Was that a closed session or was it just an emergency session that was open if anybody knew about it? Well, if it's not announced, really, it's kind of hard to, whether it's open or closed. I don't mm -hmm. know at that point it really matters. There you go. <laughs> all right. We're making slight adjustment here. All right. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, I mean. You can have a closed session, but if you have an open session and nobody knows about it, it's for all practical purposes closed. Yeah, right. But we know the result, and there was a press release put out after the fact, so uh, we know kind of where uh, where this is all headed. So, uh, what has transpired with the commission in the last week or so, and uh, what have you been privy to? Well, we had a Tuesday meeting and we had a Thursday meeting, so that was two for the week. Uh, at, at the first one on Tuesday was kind of going to be a looked like it was going to be kind of a boring meeting. And I noticed there was a uh, lady there with her husband, and they had a big map board with them. And I kind of looked through the schedule and the agenda, was trying to figure out what on the agenda would uh, require a large map board. And there wasn't anything there. And it turns out it was uh, uh, former Missouri State Senator Jane Cunningham uh, with her husband. And uh, she, got, she had asked pr prior to the meeting beginning, she was like, well, when's the public comment section where, where people can get up and address the commission? And uh, I told her there, there wasn't one and so she asked well how do you normally talk to the commission in the meeting and i said well normally we either raise your hand and hope they call on you or you just blurt something out like halfway through and maybe they'll <laughs> listen to what you're saying uh, so she didn't seem too impressed by that so once the meeting was kind of wrapping up she got up in front of the microphone and introduced herself and said she was basically there as a private citizen she wanted to talk about uh, uh, the procedure for planning and zoning appeals that the county uses because currently i guess if it goes to the board of adjustments uh, the only way to appeal a decision from them is to take it to court. So she, her suggestion was that the commission should be part of that appeal process, that if there's uh, something that the, the citizens don't agree with that was decided on by, by planning and zoning, they should be able to bring it forth to the commission. And so her particular issue was that they, she has the Freedom Boat Club, uh, owns a property near her, and these two marina properties used to be kind of quiet little properties. It's all zoned residential up in Osage Beach. Mm -hmm. And they would basically rent slips to the local residents, and that's what they did. But now Freedom Boat Club bought one of these uh, lots and is expanding their operation because obviously they're like a timeshare. I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of them. I, as, I, as a matter of fact, I've got a good friend who utilizes uh, Freedom Boat Club. And it's, it's really nice because uh, you can basically just call and you uh, schedule an opportunity to go out on a boat 
kind of give them the time frame of when you'll uh, be leaving, when you'll be back, uh, where you're going to be headed, and uh, all you have to do when you come back is gas up the boat, and you're good to go. Somebody else takes care of it for you. Right, yeah. So apparently they're really trying to expand the operation they've got there. They're, they're talking about putting in 42 more boat slips and uh, parking for the customers. And so this is kind of an area where it's one road in, one road out. So the, the community has a lot of concerns about the development, especially since, I don't, from what I understand, it's still zoned residential. It was kind of grandfathered in. Mm. So uh, she brought this up, and the Commissioner Hasty didn't really like the fact that she was presenting it because it's not on the agenda. So I was wondering what was going to happen because normally they'll only discuss things that are on the agenda. Let me ask you a question because you've been following this a lot closer than, uh, than most. If as a... Uh, as a resident of Camden County, if I have an issue uh, and I show up at a commission meeting and they uh, don't take any public comment, what is the uh, alternative as far as uh, getting in front of a commissioner or commissioners and pleading your case? Well, yeah, this has come up before. So at one meeting, I asked the commission, well, how are people supposed to put things on the agenda? Because everyone, that's like the number one question I think that people ask about the commission. And I was told by the commission that you have to email or call the commission office, and then you have to request that item be placed in the agenda, and then it's up to the commission whether they decide to place it on it or not. But I, I, I'm thinking, could, could I walk into the uh, commission's, uh, commissioner's offices and say, hey, listen, you got five minutes to hear me out on something? Or I think you can go down to the commission office and, and try to talk to your commissioner. Then it's just a question of whether the commissioners are going to be in the office. Right. This is another issue that, that is controversial in some ways because you know it's there's not a requirement that it's a full-time position so some commissioners are easier to gain access to than others uh -huh. i think james gohagen is usually in the office uh uh greg hasty i think is there sometimes but a lot of it depends on who your particular commissioner is whether or not you're going to be able to get a hold of them well in the old days the commissioner's offices were in the main building right and you'd walk down the hallway and they're behind glass and you could see them, you right. know, and you could just pop your head in and say hi. Yeah, now they're in Nowadays, the there's a greeter, there's a window there. You can't really just go in and say hi and I, got a, I need a few minutes. Yeah, so, so when uh, Senator Cunningham started talking initially, and she's very squared away lady, she's mm -hmm. obviously got a lot of experience. And so... Commissioner Hasty was basically like, I don't think you should be bringing this up here. It's not appropriate. It's not on the agenda. Uh, Commissioners Gohagen and Williams were kind of like, well, you know, she's already started, so why don't we just let her finish? And I got the impression she didn't really care what Commissioner Hasty thought in the first place. She was going to say her piece. She'd come there. And so that's what she did. She basically gave her presentation. Her husband held the map board for her, and she talked about it. So You mentioned the Board of Adjustments. What is that? Now, I'm not an expert on how planning and is that, zoning Is that works. part of planning and yeah, zoning? I think it, my impression is that when there's a problem, when you want to appeal what the planning and zoning administrator has decided, then there's a, a board of volunteers that mm -hmm. has meetings where you would bring your issue to and then they vote on it. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that at times the county commission wants to separate themselves from planning and zoning, but I think planning and zoning is part of the whole county structure. It is. And it, it struck me as odd that they wouldn't just take it take responsibility for it i guess and from what i've seen if you want to appeal their decisions based on rezoning a property then it can go to the commission the commission right. makes those decisions okay so and because they'll usually ask well what did the planning what did the board vote on this they'll they'll take into account with how the board voted before they make a decision yeah but, and I, I would have thought that that uh, freedom boat company would have had to apply for some kind of a variance in order to expand their operation 
Well, I, I think they may have, but I think if it's not actually a rezoning request, it's not going to go to the commission. The only ones I've seen come before the commission are where they're actually trying to get their property rezoned, yeah. like from R1 to B2 I mean, or something like it's that. It's clearly a commercial enterprise. It's not yeah. residential. I mean... Well, when, when we instituted planning and zoning a few years back, it wasn't exactly a very uh, precise procedure. They kind of just plopped down a lot of zoning in different areas. So there have been issues where mm -hmm. they've had to go back and kind of like fix things with the way it was done. Planning and zoning has never been uh, something here at the Lake of the Ozarks that's been uh, really looked into and, uh, and, and explored. Now, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Camden County kind of used the uh, formula for planning and zoning, and I can't remember what county it is, but they kind of borrowed somebody else's planning and zoning. And they've done that in recent years because mm -hmm. at one point there was absolutely nothing at all in terms of planning and zoning in Camden County. Yeah, I think Camden, I actually like the way Camden County does it where basically all the, most of the property around the lake, I think there's a, a distance, maybe like four miles from the lake are zoned. Mm -hmm. Then you have areas like Horseshoe Bend, which are much stricter, have like their own HOAs and extra restrictions. And then if you're out in the areas away from the lake, you're basically free to do mostly mm -hmm. what you want with your right. property. So you can kind of pick and choose the kind of lifestyle you want to live. But you can't buy on the waterfront and then complain later because you don't like the zoning. I mean, you knew that coming in when you bought that piece of property. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one of the interesting things is the Seven Mile Cove in particular. Now, over the years, um, it has changed uh, dramatically. Um, it used to be uh, the Seven Mile Cove where they had about six or seven businesses in there. They had uh, several restaurants. They had a convenience store, uh, things along those lines. And then... Of course, uh, Merlin Vandervoort uh, came in and uh, turned it into uh, the Horny Toad and then uh, built the big hotel. And, of course, then you've got uh, Shady Gators mm -hmm. and Lazy Gators that's uh, owned by Pr uh, Gary Pruitt, which obviously has uh, garnered some controversy uh, over the years and, and certainly uh, with what happened earlier in the year, uh, this year. And then there are some residential homes, and, and at one point I actually knew somebody, and this has been a long time ago, that was living in the Seven Mile Cove, and they used to complain not about the the loud music or anything, but it's like, why are there so many people right. over here? Well, there are restaurants and you know places to eat, things like that, and so that's the whole that's the whole hope is that you're going to attract diners, but then as uh, time went on, it got to be more of uh, uh, the nuisances like noise, loud music, uh, drunken pedestrians, drunken pedestrians. I mean, uh, I know that the walk of the zombies is a famous <laughs> aspect to that end of bittersweet where they all come walking out of the bar. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, sometimes you, uh, you get up in the morning and you go out to get your mail and there's some drunk guy passed out in your front yard or he keeps trying your door at night. Yeah. He's at, he's at his place. He's at his hotel or whatever. So, I mean, I understand, but uh, to your point, Dave, uh, a lot of people have to realize and understand, especially there are certain places that you're, if you don't do your homework and your due diligence and make sure you understand everything that's going on and you buy a home there, and then the next thing you know, it's a free-for-all, well... Yeah, if you, you that's buy, kind of on you. If you buy in Four Seasons, you can't then turn around and complain because the HOA won't let you do something with your property. Right. Because the reason it looks nice is because of those HOA. That's probably why you bought there in the first place, because it looks pretty good. Some people, you know, and, and again, it's based on the way there was something about living there in the Four Seasons area that attracted you. And as you said, 
you know, it could be the, the fact that it's uh, up, you know, the upkeep is, is, is there and it's very nice and a lot of people enjoy that. And so again, before you sign on the dotted line, make sure that you take the time to do your homework. Right, exactly. It's, it's worse in other states. Uh, we just owned a property in um, Alabama. I think it's okay to say that. But that's uh, a, a buyer beware kind of state. It's kind of like you can have inspections, you can look at zoning, nothing matters. Well, well with, the rezoning, <laughs> wow. with the rezoning, you see it a lot too because the guy will say, well, I just want to have a storage facility for RVs or boats. And so I want to be rezoned to B2. And what the people will say then, the neighbors are like, yeah, that's what you want to do with the property. But when you sell that property, when we make it B2, mm -hmm. it can be like 43 mm -hmm. different things, like a gas station or a supermarket. or So then they'll do these, try to do deed restrictions. That's what the commission's been doing lately, where they'll ask the, the owner to say, okay, we'll do a deed restriction that says the property can only be used for storage facility. But then for the owner of that property, that significantly reduces the value of that piece of land he owns because if he wants to sell it he can only sell it to somebody who wants to build a storage facility on it mm -hmm. so. yeah it's, it's kind of a common thing it's, it's believe it or not that's the phenomenon i'm facing with my apple app oh, because okay. because my apple app is based on our website and apple is saying well how can i trust approving you it's based on your website, and you could change your website, and that would change the app. Right. So they want me to kind of kind of create a whole new program so that it's not related. Maybe you should bring that up to the commission. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a planning and zoning issue. Dave Moffat <laughs> is our guest, and, of course, he has the blog Among the Dogwoods. He visits the uh, Camden County Commission meetings and uh, keeps a record available. We're going to talk to him on the other side of our uh, about of the hour break about to Thursday's commission meeting and to get into some other topics as well. 926, quick break. We're uh, back after the break to get you into that information block. And we thank you for joining us here on 89.3, The Key. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. Who knows and understands the Lake of the Ozarks better than the people who live here? Key Radio is bringing the public square right to your radio, computer, or mobile device. We get a lot of outside advice on how to handle what's happening at the lake, and that's great. However, we'd rather hear from the people like you who live here. Get involved and really make a difference with Key Radio. You're listening to 89.3 The Key. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook before the serving table. Hi, it's KB inviting you to join me for my new radio program, The Daily Show. 
I'll keep you up to date on the latest happenings at the Lake of the Ozarks and talk to the people who are involved in and with our great community. Join me for the live show from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. We'll also rebroadcast the show twice daily at 4 p.m. and again at midnight. It's The Daily Show at keyradio.live and on 89.3 The Key. The Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. we got a, a minute or two before we uh, get back into information, our information block at the bottom of the hour. And I just wanted to throw this story out here because I saw it earlier and uh, uh, we had actually talked about it at one point. There was a, uh, a business, a restaurant, Ray's Cafe, and I believe they were up around the Blue Springs area or, or somewhere in that uh, a particular uh, part of uh, the state of Missouri. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to go from like a restaurant status to uh, the status of a uh, private club. And so somebody started a GoFundMe page for uh, this particular restaurant, uh, Ray's Cafe. And the folks at GoFundMe, well, they nixed it. They said that, uh, nope, you can't use uh, GoFundMe for uh, for this particular uh Instance says fascism is defined as government control of private industry from big media to big pharma to too big to fail financial institutions. The Democrat Party has been utterly uninhibited and unrestrained in exercising its fascist tendencies. Disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo used Operation Choke Point to deny banking services to legal businesses in New York State that he didn't like to drive them out of business to the applause of all the uh, leading lightweights on the left, and Nancy Pelosi recently re- uh, moved to have financial institutions report all transactions of $600 and over. Now GoFundMe, uh, we can add them to the list of corporations that happily do the Democrats' dirty work. This weekend, the online fundraising site pulled a campaign raising money for Ray's Cafe in Blue Springs, Missouri and returned all contributions to donors. The uh, campaign had raised $5,000 of its $15,000 goal. GoFundMe spokeswoman Olivia Keeley said that the cafe's campaign violated the company's terms of service. She did not say which terms of service. She merely made the uh, conclusion, uh, uh, the statement uh, that it uh, apparently did. Interestingly, however, no campaigns to raise legal funds for Black Lives Matter rioters or violent Antifa extremists were taken down. Why did uh, GoFundMe terminate this campaign? Because Ray's Cafe owner Amanda Wolitz has been openly defying the unconstitutional Jackson County, Missouri Health Department mask mandate and disobedience must be punished. After all, they're losing patience with us, according to 1600 Pennsylvania president, uh, uh, 1600 uh, resident rather, Pennsylvania resident uh, Joe Biden. The next court hearing will be to determine whether the modified temporary restraining order the county has obtained can be made permanent. So uh, GoFundMe says, uh, too bad, too sad. You're not using our service to raise money for your legal issues. And isn't that strange? Again, made, uh, they made a very good point there that the folks with uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, it's okay to have fundraising campaigns for them after uh, a lot of these people have been uh, caught uh, vandalizing uh, property, burning down property, uh, assaulting people. That's all right. That's okay. 
about a woman uh, and a restaurant uh, in Blue Springs, Missouri, just trying to raise some uh, some legal fees to uh, to take care of a, a problem there. Well, we're not going to let them have uh, an opportunity to do that at all. 9.32 and Stacy Johnson is standing by with a check of local news from LakeExpo.com on 89.3 The Key. Heard on the interweb at keyradio.live. Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3 The Key. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, September 17th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Two people are facing felony charges after authorities say they found drugs at a residence in Brumley. Brian Bird and Rebecca Webster were both arrested after the Miller County Sheriff's Office received a drug complaint. Deputies found methamphetamine and other narcotics at the residence. Both subjects remain in custody at the Miller County Jail in lieu of their bonds. Camp Wonderland is bringing groovy vibes to the Lake of the Ozarks with their peace, love, and party with a purpose. Charity event that's coming up on Saturday, November 6th. The evening will include dinner and dancing starting at 6 in the evening at Margaritaville and a live and silent auction to follow. 100% of proceeds from the evening go toward Wonderland Camp as to help campers who need financial assistance. Bike Fest is underway at the lake, and it's bringing major changes to the Bagnell Strip. If you're driving a car, you won't be driving it on the Strip. Only delivery trucks and employee vehicles will be allowed. Motorcycles will be allowed, though, and they'll be able to park in the center lane, too. So keep an eye out for motorcyclists when you're on the road this weekend, and welcome them to Lake of the Ozarks. Get more of the Lake Ozarks news at lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play, lakeexpo.com, the Lake's trusted news source. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Hi, it's KB inviting you to join me for my new radio program, The Daily Show. I'll keep you up to date on the latest happenings at the Lake of the Ozarks and talk to the people who are involved in and with our great community. Join me for the live show from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. We'll also rebroadcast the show twice daily at 4 p.m. and again at midnight. It's The Daily Show at keyradio.live and on 89.3 The Key. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. 
Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy, much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the Key with your monthly donation. Bikers Against Child Abuse empowers children to not feel afraid of the world in which they live. For more information, visit BACAWorld.org. Our helpline is 866-885-9474. Key Radio is a nonprofit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. If you'd like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, The Key. 937, we'll hear from Chris Schneider one more time with an update on what's coming up as far as uh, sports here locally. Friday night football at home, a big, big, big game for the Camdenton Lakers. They are 3-0. and The West Plains Scissors also 3-0. and And uh, tonight will probably be the biggest test for the Lakers, other than, uh, I would say, Bolivar and Lebanon. But as we know, uh, the rivalry between uh, Camdenton and West Plains has developed over the years. And West Plains essentially, more or less, kind of like uh, they, were, they were the doormat of the Ozark Conference for a long time. And a large part of that was because uh, those guys didn't want to have to travel two, three hours. I mean, I don't know what the shortest... Hmm. Uh, shortest uh, trip it, 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 that they have to make in order to play football. But I know if they're coming to Camdenton, that's at least a three-hour drive because I know when we go down to West Plains, mm-hmm. we love uh, going you know, through Rolla and Kabul and some of those smaller towns. And it feels like you're driving to the end of the earth. It yep. really does. Yep. 72 degrees now at 939. 88 the expected high today with uh, maybe... A few clouds moving through. Overall clear in 63 tonight, 88 the high tomorrow, a low of 65. And then as we uh, look ahead to Sunday, 85 the high, a low of 66, 88 on Monday, and a low of 61. 74 Tuesday with the best chance for rain at this point, now 40%. And uh, we'll get to uh, a high of 72 degrees and a sunny day on Wednesday. So uh, some decent weather starting to really kind of roll in here. We'll uh, talk some more with Dave Moffin here in just a moment, but let's hear from Chris Schneider, one final time on 89.3 The Key with a check of sports. 
Thank you, KB. Good Friday morning to you, TGIF. Don't you love Fridays? And, of course, it's a football Friday, the fall almost here. But, of course, we got a whole lot of football on the way, including a showdown of undefeated teams at Camdenton tonight. Lakers at 3-0 at home against 3-0 West Plains. That is always a good battle and look forward to be another great one tonight. 2-1 Osage at home tonight against 2-1 California. That ought to be a pretty great game, too. And that's a game you can see on Lake TV tonight. Pre-game show at 6.30 and then the kickoff will be at 7. Again, that's on Lake TV, Osage in California tonight. By the way, during the season, you can hear from the uh, coaches of the Camdenton Lakers, Jeff Shore, and the Osage Indians, Shannon Jolly, every week during the season, uh, Tuesdays through Fridays. Hear what they say about last week's game and preview this week's game. You can see that every day, Tuesdays through Friday during the season on Lake TV at uh, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, and and 6 o'clock at night. Eldon is 2-1. and one. They're at 3-0 Hallsville tonight. Versailles 1-2. and two. They will take their record to 0-3 Southern Boone tonight. Now, tomorrow we got college football, of course. Mizzou 1-1 one one, looking to bounce back from that loss to Kentucky last week. They'll be at home to 0-2 Southeast Missouri State tomorrow morning. MSU Bears, they're 1-1. One one. They're off this week. The Chiefs will play Sunday night. They're on the road against the Ravens after that comeback win over the Browns last week. And of course, we're getting ready to close out the MLB regular season. Cardinals home to the Padres tonight. They open a three-game weekend series. The Royals home against the Mariners tonight. That is also the first of a three-game series. KB, back to you, brother. Here we go. Dave, uh, Dave's a, 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 I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm not afraid to admit it. I saw that when he came in last week and I thought, yeah, he lived out in LA. And so that's, it, it, that's the point where you kind of became a Dodgers fan. Who, who you know, who, who, did you like him growing up as a kid? I did. Or? So 77, 78, the Dodgers, Steve Garvey, I was yeah. a big fan of that. And I didn't even live in Los Angeles at the time, but uh, I really enjoyed the Dodgers. So I've always just been a Dodgers fan. So. And that's, uh, I don't know, I've never really, all I know is growing up in St. Louis that any time the Dodgers came to town, Tommy Lasorda always ended up on the hill because that's where all the good Italian food is, on the hill oh, sure. in St. Louis. So uh, he would make it a point, and uh, he got to be friends with a lot of the restaurant owners. So when they knew he was coming to town, they made sure that, uh, you know, in, in, I guess in most cases it was probably, you know, three games, so... That was at least two trips to a restaurant, and so I don't know if he had a particular restaurant that he favored, but I know he liked uh, he liked the hill. Well, I always tell people if like you like the blog and you want to come up to me, I'm, I'm usually wearing a Dodgers hat when I'm out on, in town, so uh, I'm probably the only person in the county who's wearing one. <laughs> so, well, I grew up in New York, and and I grew up at a time when we had four baseball teams: we had the Dodgers, the Giants, the Yankees, and the Mets. Right. So all of those teams. I guess are are my teams. But if if like a hundred and eight win Dodgers team loses <laughs> a one game wild card playoff with like an eighty four win Cardinals team, you guys might not hear from me for about four weeks. I'll probably be out wandering. That off would be in the unfair, wilderness. wouldn't it? <laughs> it's just totally nuts. <laughs> well, you know, you you can't do that. You have a responsibility now nope. with your blog. It's going on hiatus. <laughs> Speaking of uh, your blog, among the dogwoods, if people would like to uh, subscribe to that, uh, Dave, how can they do that? 
So you go, uh, if you Google uh, among the Dogwood Stop blog, you'll find the website. And on the, the home page at the bottom, you can enter in your, uh, your email address. And then basically that's how you can subscribe. Then every time I make a post, you'll get an email that basically summarizes and tells you what's, what's going on. Let's talk about, uh, I, you said there were two commission meetings this week. Uh, the Tuesday meeting, which we've uh, kind of run over and uh, run down and gone over a little bit here. And uh, what about Thursday's meeting? Thursday, there really wasn't too much going on. Um, it was some basic stuff. I think one of the things was there's a certified copy of order, which basically means whenever the county transfers money from one fund to another fund within its budget, the commissioners have to assign like a court order that authorizes that. The uh, county budget is basically made up of approximately seven major funds. And as, if they ever decide to transfer money across from one fund to another, they have to get a court order. And the interesting th reason why it's a court order is because the commissioners used to be judges. And so the form that they sign is an old form from like the 30s or 40s that basically is a court order issued by the commission. So the office of commissioner used to be judges. They used to be judges. Interesting. Because we used to do that in Little Old Lynn Creek, mm -hmm. and we didn't need a court order. Nobody cared, I guess. Well, if they transfer <laughs> money from within the same fund, it's just something they can do a budget amendment for. Uh -huh. But when it crosses fund boundaries, then it has hmm. to be ordered by the commission. Uh, the other thing that came up, I talked to the auditor after the meeting, and he said that they're actually looking into buying video equipment so they can start videotaping the uh, commission meetings. Wow. So that All seems right. like that's going to be something that could be a big improvement. Yeah. They're just looking into how they would do that, if it would go up to, on YouTube or if they would stream it. So um, I think in I, some ways by us basically videoing. I think they should video do both. Right. I th but I th I'd like to think that with us videoing it, they've realized that they it's going to get videoed regardless, so they might as well just start allowing, yeah, start do doing it, it themselves. And have know. some control over it right. then and so hopefully, hopefully we do it put, right. Hopefully we put some pressure on them a little bit and got them to come around and realize yeah. that it's, they, they we, need to start doing that. We inspired them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Motivated them. <laughs> yes, inspiration causes perspiration, hmm. and uh, perspiration sometimes causes desperation. Yeah. So uh, depending on what, we're, uh, what, what subject we're applying to that thought process, Maybe there's been a little desperation on their part to uh, uh, make sure that uh, these meetings get out. However, the one thing that you can do with video, as well as audio, ah. is edit it. Yes. And let's hope that doesn't happen. You know, let's say, for example, there's a <laughs> rowdy in the crowd. That never happens at a Camden County Commission meeting, right? And uh, they don't want people to see the rowdy or hear yeah. from the rowdy, so they edit the rowdy out. It would be to their benefit to uh, turn this thing around, like as soon as the meeting's over, you put it, you slap it right on YouTube. You don't horse around with it. You know, if the meeting's over, let's say at uh, mm -hmm. 10.30, by 10.45, that video should be on YouTube for people to see, or maybe even 10.35, because it's not that tough to, to upload a video. I, can, I think they've got it to where now you could just stream it directly up, and it'll be up as it's going live, and then it's just as archived on YouTube. Booyah. So. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And so they, they do have the, uh, the thought process of making sure that the information gets out. And, and there, again, uh, allows people the opportunity to, uh, to have more people involved in the process. So while you're there chronicling the meeting and putting it in your blog among the dogwoods, uh, then people can uh, actually sit there. And, you know, if you're at work or if you're at home or you couldn't make it for some reason, you can watch it and then go back or watch it later, I guess. Yeah. Just a quick question about the Tuesday meeting again. 
Uh, did Jane Cunningham, is she going to is she going to get on the agenda in a future meeting, or did they refer her back to planning and zoning? Yeah, I'm not quite sure because what she was asking was, it wasn't exactly a planning and zoning issue because mm -hmm. she was more suggesting that they modify the process that they use to appeal those things. Yeah. So perhaps they, she will be able to get on the agenda. I'm not really sure because I don't think I think it's already been heard by planning and zoning. Right. So I don't know that it would be able to go back to them again. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we'll uh, have to wait and see. Maybe we need to reach out to her and, uh, and have her on as a guest and yeah. allow her to present her side of the story here as far as uh, what they're talking about and what she would like to see happen. I know that, uh, again, uh, public comment is something that I would imagine uh, is something that they should consider there. I mean, if you're going to consider videotaping the meetings, why not, uh, why not uh, double down and go right ahead and say, you know, public comment is something that is, uh, is necessary in order to, in my humble opinion anyway, really kind of push forth that whole transparency issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to do that. I keep on talking about Lynn Creek, but we used to have a time at the start of every meeting where the public was invited to come up and comment. Sure. I mean, it's, it's good, it's, I think, it, to do it before and after because some of the problem is based on the agenda, you actually don't know what's going to come up at the meeting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might say budget amendment or order, but until the thing gets presented on the agenda, you have no idea. It doesn't say usually what it's involving. So right. before and after is probably the best way to do it. Do you have any other folks that you work with here locally as far as your blog is concerned to uh, maybe sit down and compare notes a little bit, or is that something that's uh, strictly done by you? It's a pretty much a one-person operation at this point yeah I mean Stephanie's does the videos so that's right. great it's usually the two of us there we bring coffee there's free coffee Stephanie brings coffee to the meetings we set up the chairs and make sure they're all organized we check Nathan's phone to make sure it's working we turn on the lights we're a full-service community operation make sure Nathan's phone is working huh that's right gotta have a dial tone because if it's not a dial tone I get like 20 texts about the fact that he can't get them on the phone so <laughs> So he, uh, that's how he listens. He, tune, he listens on... Uh, I think he watches the Facebook feed, probably. Right. Very good. All right. Now, when Stephanie does it, she goes live? I don't know. I think maybe she films. She, might, she has been live before, I think, but I think she usually just films and then uploads it afterwards. Get a nice little tripod, put your phone on there, and just oh, yeah. uh, angle it accordingly, and off you go. I guess we uh, pretty much covered the uh, commission meetings for the week, and... Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to hear some more uh, police stories from you. Some of the some of the interesting stories about uh, being a police officer, an LAPD uh, officer, Los Angeles uh, Police Department, and we I learned some pretty interesting things about uh, about the LAPD last week. Well, uh, one of the things I thought we could talk about is Bill last time had mentioned if there's shows I watch, like if I watch Cops or stuff like that. Right. Actually, one of the things I do enjoy watching is, I don't know if you ever watch like on Forensic Files or any of those crime shows where they do the murder or Snapped. Like if you want to watch Snapped so you can make sure you know what might trigger your wife into trying to attempt to murder you, it's a good show to watch. Look for the warning signs. But what I always like, because I was a detective for so long, I did a lot of uh, interviews and interrogations. So I usually enjoy watching the interview part you know where they've got the suspect in the room and they're going to start questioning the suspect so i thought that could be something that might be interesting for us to talk about a little bit because you know that's a big thing in the news right now if you go on documentaries there's a lot of talk about false confessions where uh, 
suspects were basically talked or cajoled into confessing to something then right. then it comes out eight years later that wasn't the guy that did it and it makes you wonder the jury would think well why would you ever confess to a crime if you didn't do it that sounds crazy but some of the stuff we could talk about is kind of how since i do have a lot of experience with that we can kind of talk about how that works from the beginning to the end ways you can figure out if someone's being deceptive how you want to do the interviews things like that if you guys would be interested in yeah it's kind of like on, on most cop shows the detective is kind of assigned to a case because my wife gets tired of it because i'll watch <laughs> an interview or something uh -huh. i'll be like oh that's deceptive or i can tell like oh i think that guy's innocent based on how he's behaving so one mm. of the things that always comes up is like the the miranda rights like everybody knows you have the right to remain silent and and all that stuff like it's your fifth amendment right my father-in-law was a robbery detective in LAPD, and he said when they came out with Miranda, all the detectives were like, we're never going to convict anybody ever. No one's ever going to confess again, because if we have to tell them what their rights are, there's no way they would talk to us. But they do. And so the question becomes, why do they do that? So Miranda kicks in when two things happen, when you're in custody and when you're going to be interrogated. So. You've seen it on cops sometimes where they'll have a pursuit and then the guy's handcuffed. He's in the back of the car. The police officer comes over and says, like, is that your car? How'd you get that car? All that is. And I'm watching like you can't use any of that. He's in handcuffs. You haven't Mirandized him. So all the questions you're asking him are not going to be admissible in court. So when you're handcuffed or when you're in the back of the police car, or you're, even if they unhandcuff you and they put you back in the station and then the, the idea is, are you free to go at that point? Would a reasonable person believe they were free to go? If, if they wouldn't, then you're considered in custody. Yeah, I often see on TV where the guy just, you know, the police officer just apprehends the guy and he's kind of sitting on his back and he reads him his rights. No, but see, that's okay because if you're going to ask him questions, it's when, like, and I, I, I arrested a few guys after, when, as I'd be getting ready to take them to the station, they'd be like, oh, you're in trouble now because you never read me my rights. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I didn't ask you any questions. I don't care what you have to say. Like, we saw you do the crime. We don't need to interview you. Oh. So, it, the, so the Miranda you don't advisory, have to do the reading of the rights if you don't ask them things. Right. So it's interrogating when interrogation meets custody. So if the guy's arrested out in the field, he's handcuffed, you realize you don't have enough, you let him go. Day later, you call him and say, hey, we want you to come down to the station. We want to ask you some questions. He comes into the station of his own free will, and then you ask him, no need for Miranda, because he came to you. You didn't seize him and bring him back to the station. So you hope, in a lot of cases, that their conscience will kick in. Yeah. Or, yeah. Maybe what they've done, uh, depending on who it is, uh, you know, if it's a career criminal, probably not, as opposed to somebody who's committed their first crime if uh, it was an assault. Uh, a domestic situation or something that, you know, they've had time to sit down and kind of rationalize what they've done and they'd be a little bit more willing to just come forth and, 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 and tell you what happened. Or they think the story they're going to tell you is one that you're going to believe. Yeah. Uh, criminals are optimists. Like when you pull over a car and the guy has four pounds of heroin under his driver's seat and you ask if you could search the car and he says, sure, and he gets out, a normal person would be like, why would someone in their right mind, knowing that they have drugs in the car, allow the police? Because they're like, maybe the officer won't find the drug. It's just mm -hmm. like, they're hoping you just won't find it. Of course, you're going to look under the seat and there's the drugs. And so people will ask, like, well, how do we know you got consent? Why would the guy ever give you permission to search? They do it all the time. Happens all the time. My favorite, when I watch some of those, uh, <laughs> those shows like Law & Order, when they do good cop, bad cop. Okay. That's yeah. one of that's one of my favorites. That's it, a classic. It, have you ever been involved in any of those? Uh, 
yeah, so that's, that's an interesting one because that does come up. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a technique you can use. Um, it's, I've, I've seen it used. The problem with good cop, bad cop is you can also sometimes get it to where, like I, I was with a Secret Service agent on an interview once, and he told the guy, look, we can either do this the hard way or the easy way. Right. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no hard way. There's no easy way. Like, <laughs> we're just here to ask you questions because you're really not allowed to tell them things like that, which are going to, the, the worry is that you're going to put someone in a position where an innocent person would confess. Like, they're like, well, I don't want the hard way. So yeah, I guess I'll just tell you I did it. Maybe I can get out of here. Like, mm -hmm. Or they'll say, if you don't tell us you did it, we're going to arrest you right now. Right. So well then. So you're not allowed to kind of trick them into confessing. You, well, that, that's a complicated question, right? So you, you can lie to them. Hmm. So you can lie to someone. The, the police can lie to you during an interview. Lying is a very dangerous thing to do as an interrogator because the, assuming that you think the guy's guilty, the criminal knows what happened. So if you lie to him like, oh, we've got video of you going over to the house and breaking in, and he's like breaking in through the front door, and he's like, well, I know I went in through the back door. So then he's like, okay, I know you guys don't. You kind of lose that whole fear because now he's like, well, now I know more than you guys about this. Well, that's like when you lie to your parents, that's you know? Right. And then... <clears throat> You have to tell another lie to cover up another lie to cover yep. up another lie, and it normally backfires. Yeah, and one of the best ways to tell, even when you're looking at an interview, if you see that just the way the room's set up, mm -hmm. if there's a table like there is right now between Bill and I, that's not a good interview room because the table provides a barrier between me and him where he can get some security. Right. If uh, you really want the ones you'll see, a lot of times the table is off to the side, the guy's in the corner, the suspect, and then the two police officers are tr diagonal, like triangling him. So he has no way to kind of get anything between him and them. Mm. Right. And that's the best way to try to talk to someone. Because this gives them, a table gives them security, like something they can kind of feel like they're hiding behind. It's the same way why people will, when they're starting to lie, might cross their arms to put their arms between you and them. Right. Or cross their mm. legs to try to, again, give some kind of barrier. I've often heard that, you know, when, a, when somebody leans in, that's more of a positive uh, maneuver as opposed to somebody who sits back it, and, it, and, you know. It can be. The, uh, so I went to a bunch of, I've been to a bunch of training on this, and the FBI had this training course where they said, if the suspect looks to the left when you ask him a question, he's 75% more like, it's not, that's, it's all baloney. Basically, <laughs> the big thing is when you're doing an interview, uh, we've got an interview and interrogation. You sit the guy down and you do an interview. And the interview is basically you asking them very simple questions like, where do you live? Are you married? What's your education? And the interview serves two main purposes. One, it gets them used to talking to you and answering your questions. Mm -hmm. You don't want to sit Bill down right away and be like, did you murder your wife? Well, that's not the first question you're going to ask the guy, right? We know that's not true because you just walked, that's right. just walked through the room. <laughs> but yes, so that's, so the other important thing is while you're doing the interview, the, the suspect's relaxed. You're, he's being honest. He's giving you honest answers. So you're, he's exhibiting what we call truth-telling behavior. Because mm -hmm. you can't just base one pattern of, of activity on, on the whole world because people are coming from other countries, other backgrounds, where they might be fearful of the police. Like mm -hmm. Coming from communist China, you're going to be very nervous if you're in front of a police officer in America. So you can't just say, well, the guy was nervous and sweating. He's obviously lying. So what we do is we interview and we see their truth-telling behavior. And then when we start interrogating and asking them hard questions, your partner observes them and sees how their behavior changes. You've see how, seen how they act and how their body motions are when they're telling the truth. Mm -hmm. You see how it changes when they're, maybe they do start crossing their arms. Maybe they do start pulling away from you more. Um, so that's, a, that's kind of a good clue for, 
for that kind of stuff. We're uh, up against the clock, gentlemen. But, uh, Dave, thanks again for coming in and keeping us uh, posted. And while you were talking, I, uh, I joined your blog, so I'll be getting a, a copy of that. And